Well, good evening, Family Church Haven, and welcome to Sunday Night Local. I can't believe it's come around to that time of week again. Here we are on Sunday evening, ready to gather around the Word of God uh, once again this evening. And uh, just want to take a moment to say thank you to everybody who's been um, connecting with this live or watching this a little bit later on and feeding back on what God is speaking to you through it. You know, sometimes when I'm just speaking into a telephone and I don't have any clue who's on the other side of this, how it's coming across. These are strange times as I speak in an empty office, um, but I'm so glad that it's doing something in your life. And so thank you for the feedback that we've been receiving on this. I hope that you've had a brilliant day, whatever you might have been doing. We've had a good day here in the Kerry household. We started off with our um, Zoom this morning, and if you've never joined in with Zoom, that's a whole lot of fun um, as we just catch up with one another and chat and play games and all those kind of uh, different things. And of course, we had the online service with Pastor Andy sharing a great thought on the line of Judah. If you haven't watched that yet, then catch up with that um, later on this week. And then this afternoon, we went off to um, Porchester Castle as a family and walked around there and had some time um, together. So it's been a good day for us. I pray it's been a good day um, for you as well. Just as people um, jump on live, just before we dive into tonight's word, let me also give a quick plug um, for our Stronger Worship Night that's coming up on the 11th of November, Wednesday the 11th of November. That's going to be at 7.30pm and it's going to be an hour at the Empower Centre, around an hour at the Haven't Empower Centre. Just a time for us to be in God's presence. The worship team are going to minister to us, we're going to receive in that moment, I'm going to share a short word. We're going to uh, pray together. Hopefully, we'll be able to take communion together if we manage to uh, get some of those disposable um, throwaway communions if they come uh, in time, they're on back order. Um, but we're going to have a great time in God's house together, doing it completely um, safe. It's going to be a safe environment for you to come and worship with us. So um, you, we need you to pre-register. So go to family.church or click on the link in the email that was sent out this past week on Friday evening and you can be a part of that, but you need to pre-register for that event. Okay, let's open up uh, the Word of God tonight, and uh, hopefully you've got a nice warm beverage as well with you. Uh, but turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, and we of course remain in this teaching on the fruit of the Spirit, where God has been teaching us so much, we've dug out so much truth uh, from His Word um, together. And tonight, hopefully, we're going to continue to learn from God's Spirit about what it is to walk by the Spirit and to display this fruit of His Holy Spirit in and through our lives. And this key thought that we keep coming back to over and over, and I don't make any apologies uh, for repeating it each and every single week, is this key thought that no amount of human effort can produce spiritual fruit. We don't produce love and joy and peace and patience by trying to produce it in our lives. It comes as we yield and we surrender to the life of God that is in us, and then we display uh, the nature of God to those around us. So Galatians chapter 5, let's read this again from the Passion Translation. Again, we're just going to read the key thoughts, verse 16, and then picking up at verse 19. So verse 16 says this, As you yield, which means to surrender, to give way, as you give way freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. And then verse 19 goes on to describe the cravings of a self-life and it talks about senseless arguments, uh, resentment, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of ourselves, uh, uncontrolled addictions, all that kind of stuff. And then it says this, but the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. 
joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities for they are meant to be limitless. So again, as we've been talking about each week, there's a before and after to our lives in Christ. But before we became followers of Jesus Christ, the acts of the flesh is what was natural to us. We didn't have to try. We just got out of bed in the morning, lived our life, and we displayed to one degree or another the acts of the flesh because we were living in the flesh. But now that we are born again, now that we have the Spirit of God within us, when we choose to walk by the Spirit of God, we will display His fruit in and through our lives. And so the journey of discipleship is always one on a day-by-day basis, a year-by-year basis, one of journeying from the acts of the flesh to displaying the fruit of the Spirit in our life. Remember, it's one fruit and nine different characteristics. So, so far we've looked at four of those. We've looked at love, joy, peace, and patience. And if you've missed any of those teachings, they're all available on the YouTube channel that you're watching this on um, tonight. But tonight we're going to look at this fruit called kindness. Kindness. Now, I don't know if you're watching this tonight and you are a major fan of cooking from scratch, whether uh, you view yourself as a chief cook in the house and you love cooking from scratch. Maybe you're somebody who isn't so good at cooking, but you love watching cooking shows, or maybe you're neither of those, but you just love good food. Now, one key ingredient that should carry across many different meals, and, and you'll notice it when it's not there, is salt. Because when you eat something, and maybe you've been there recently, uh, I cooked something and I didn't salt the vegetables enough and we were eating it, it it just tastes bland, there's something missing because the salt was missing. You notice it when it's not there. And that's how it is with kindness in the mix of the fruit of the Spirit. You notice when it's not there. And kindness is what makes this fruit of the Spirit taste so good in and through our lives. You see, patience without kindness is merely tolerance. Love without action just doesn't look or taste or seem the same way. You see, kindness is love in action. Kindness is putting wheels on who we say that we are. Now, over the years, there's been many different researchers and many different uh, people who have done surveys of relationships around different cultures around the world, and they've spent time and effort and money asking the question, what is it that people want in a soulmate? What is it that people want in a colleague? What is it that people want in a lifelong partner? And they ask these questions and there's been many different surveys including ones that have encapsulated so many different cultures and backgrounds and they've come back with this thought that what people really want in another person when it comes to relationship, be it a colleague or a friend or a spouse or whoever it might be, the thing that they need and want and desire is kindness. Now that's all well and good that they've spent thousands of pounds or dollars on that and done a whole lot of research. But actually, just like most of these things, the Bible could have taught you that in the first place. Because in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 22, this is what it says. What is desired in a man is kindness. See, we desire kindness in people. Because when kindness is thrown into the mix, when kindness is in the meal of relationships, suddenly things look different. Workplaces feel different. Churches begin to thrive. Families begin to act 
as they should. Marriages are the way that they should be. Communities go to a new level of, of what they should be in accordance with the design of God. And yet so often, kindness is a thing that's missing. So often instead we see the acts of the flesh, we see dissensions and arguments and we see uh, pointless conversations, envy, selfish ambition, and it ruins workplaces. It affects uh, marriages, it affects churches, it breaks apart nations when we're in it for ourselves. Now, when we live that way and when we see that displayed, we, we see what the message paraphrase describes in this way, an ugly parody of community. That's why the message paraphrase describes it, an ugly parody of community. See, society so often speaks the language of what's in it for me, more for me and mine. What can I get out of this? What can I get out of this work situation? What can I get out of this relationship? What's in it for me? We hear people say things like, well, I just don't feel like I'm getting enough out of this, or I don't feel like my needs are being met just before somebody quits a job or just before somebody leaves a church or just before uh, a divorce happens. So often the language of this world is me. What can I get, not what can I give? And kindness flies in the face of that. Now, sometimes the world will um, shock us and it will be very kind for a moment, but it can't sustain what isn't real. So, for example, at the beginning of this year in 2020, we know that this pandemic, this slight thing called COVID hit. And uh, all of a sudden, the world was so kind to one another. People were doing things for each other, looking out for one another. Um, you know, everyone was putting rainbows on their window. We we're all clapping the NHS. They just sensed this, this feeling of kindness all around us. And yet, fast forward a whole number of months, and, and suddenly there's friction everywhere that you look. See, the world cannot sustain kindness in its own strength. It's got to be something that is the nature of God. Now, Paul makes this point that before we were saved, there was a way that was natural to us in terms of living, and it was full of selfish ambition. But he says now that the fruit of the Spirit is in you, this is the way that you should live. So let's look at a few of these verses that point out the way that we should live, the practical results of being a new man or a woman in God. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, let's just look at these and make a note of this. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31 to 32. It says this, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behaviour. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Philippians 2 verses 3 to 4. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress other people. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Colossians chapter 3 verse 12. Make a note of these if you're uh, making notes tonight. It says this, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So that was Colossians chapter 3, verse um, 12. So the New Testament clearly calls us to be kind. Now, the word that Paul uses here in Galatians chapter 5 when he describes kindness as a fruit of the Spirit is this word, and remember I'm not a great Greek scholar when it comes to pronunciation, but it's this word krastotas, krastotas, which we've got to understand is more than just um, 
doing a kind action every now and then. It's not about something that's external. Well, we don't try and act kind, but it's something that happens within. That God changes us from the inside out. And because of something that he does internally, we now begin to display kind actions. We begin to do kind things because we have been made to be kind people. So it's not an, an outward in thing that can't be sustained. The spirit changes our hearts, which in turn changes our actions. So kindness is not this kind of thing that we do where we uh, display some actions in order uh, to get something back for ourselves. There's no thought for ourselves when we display God's kind of kindness. That there's no, what am I going to get out of this? Maybe they'll pay me back eventually. That there's none of that when it comes to Christotis. That this word is the word that led God to offer us salvation. In Romans chapter 2 verse 4, we know that it says that it's the goodness and it's the kindness of God that leads a person to repentance. This is the word that it uses, Christotis. It's also this word and this kind of kindness that motivated somebody that I want us to focus in on uh, this evening in our time together. So turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. And I want to encourage you, if you've got a Bible already, um, turn it to Luke chapter 10, because this is a bulk of what we're going to be in tonight, beginning at verse 25. Now, this person um, isn't a real person. It's a person that Jesus described in one of his parables. Remember, parables were earthly stories that carried a heavenly context and a heavenly revelation. He was a master communicator, a master storyteller. And here is Jesus telling a, a, a parable of somebody who chose to live out of kindness rather than choose to display selfish ambition. So Luke chapter 10, we're going to begin at verse 25. And we're going to be reading down to verse uh, 37, but we're going to pause and uh, break this apart a little bit tonight. So you ready? Luke chapter 10, verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus, as they always like to do. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? Jesus replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, with all of your strength and with all of your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But the man wanted to justify himself. And so he asked Jesus, and, and then who is my neighbour? In reply, Jesus told a story. He said a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes they beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Now just pause there on, on verse 30. We'll come back to this parable in a moment. But I want to pause here because verse 30 describes in one sense so many people that we come into contact with on a daily basis. So many people who right now are around your life. Here is this man and he's journeying from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's a distance about 17 miles and he's attacked by robbers. They strip him, they attack him, they leave him half dead. And the truth is there are people all around your life who were journeying through life and something happened in their world. Something happened by the means of someone or a situation that left them hopeless and in despair. They may be in your family, they may be in your workplace, they may be in your neighbourhood, but they're in that place of desperation. Now, in terms of this parable, it was obviously a physical robbery that took place that left this guy on the side of a road. But this robber that verse 30 communicates about can take the form of many different things in this day and age. This robber 
maybe abuse. That maybe a child growing up was subjected to abuse of various different forms in their home or outside of their home. And they are now an adult who still live in the pain and with the scars of what that abuse did to them. And they feel hopeless. That robber may take the form of debt. That maybe there are people that you know close to you who are crippled by debt and COVID has not made things any better. In fact, maybe some people have fallen into debt because of a COVID situation and it's removed hope and it's caused distress in their life. Substance abuse can be this robber in a person's life, whether it began as a form of escapism or whether it's something that's become a dependency. Substance abuse can be a robber. Loneliness can be something that robs people of hope. Now, obviously, again, that's been exasperated in this um, time in which we're living of COVID. But at any given moment of any given year, there are people, young and old, who feel the loneliness of not quite fitting in, the loneliness of being stuck behind closed doors, the loneliness that they experience needing love. This robber can be pain, the grief, the pain of grief of losing a lifelong partner, the pain of a child growing up in a home where it's just so fractured and broken. This robber can take the form of poverty, of redundancy. It's not just in the third world where there is poverty. There is poverty all around us in the UK. That there are people today in our community who because of redundancies or because of COVID problems or because of just ongoing financial situation are, are trying to balance how do I go through this? Do I pay the bills or do I put food on the tables, we're working with them day in, day out with our food banks in all of our different locations. This robber could just speak of hopelessness. And just like this man, for whatever reason, people are by the roadside of life needing somebody to display kindness, needing the Church of Jesus Christ to be people who display this fruit of the Spirit called kindness. Okay, let's pick this up in verse 31. It says a priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite when he came to the place and saw him passed by on the other side. So here these two guys, the priest and the Levite, they arrive at the need, they see the need and yet they avoid and go round the need. There's a few possible reasons why Jesus would uh, say that they did this and it helps us to understand the culture and the time into which Jesus was speaking. Jesus was speaking at a time where if you touched somebody who was dead, you would have been considered unclean. And he made the point in verse 30 that this man had been left half dead. And so maybe, just maybe, the priest and the Levite wouldn't have gone to this man because if they touched him, they would have been ceremonially defiled. And so what would have happened is that they would have gone, have had to go through a week-long purification process that would have cost them time and effort, that would have stopped them working, that would have affected their wage. And so maybe they thought, well, well, it's just an issue of cleanliness. We're just going to avoid this situation. And yet here is a hypocrisy. Because these men had just been to worship God. The Bible says that they were going down the hill in this story that Jesus told. They were coming back from Jerusalem. So they'd been to worship God. They'd done the love God part. But here they are avoiding a need because it was messy. They didn't love their neighbour. And the irony is in not doing the second, it put the first into doubt. To not love your neighbour cast doubt upon whether you truly know what it is to love and be filled with God. These guys came to a need and yet they 
ignored it. To them, it was messy. It was unclean. And Jesus is making this point that their life was wrapped up in lifeless religion. They went to church, but it didn't affect the way that they lived. Now, James, in his letter, if you allow me to take a slight detour, James wrote a letter that's recorded in the New Testament to the church. And, and he said this in, in James chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. It says, for example, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and hungry, and you leave them saying goodbye, I hope you stay warm, I hope you have plenty to eat, and yet you don't provide them with a coat or even a cup of soup, what good is your faith? So then faith that doesn't involve action is phony. Those are challenging words to us, right? That being spiritual isn't just about knowing Greek and Hebrew words. Being spiritual isn't just about praying in tongues or speaking the language of faith. Paul says living with the spirit inside of you means that you respond and you act with kindness. But for these guys, maybe they felt it was messy. Another reason why maybe they avoided the need was because maybe they thought it was his own fault. Now, again, we need to understand the context and the culture into which Jesus was speaking. He's talking about this road between Jerusalem and Jericho. Now, even though this was a parable, a story, it was set in a real life context so people would understand what Jesus was communicating about. And this was a real life setting that people would understand. Now, this road between Jerusalem and Jericho was a very steep road and it was a very dangerous road to go on because there were many places where robbers could hide. So, again, this story was very believable. In fact, this road was commonly known as the way of blood because there were so many attacks Upon it, So as Jesus told the story, they would have been nodded. Okay, yeah, we understand. We get this story. And so maybe the priest and Levite felt, well, it's his own fault. He journeyed on his own. He wasn't with anybody else. He didn't have any protection. So it's his own fault. Now, again, it can be very easy to look at people around us who need kindness and yet just label them in a certain way and say, well, it's their own fault. Maybe there's a family member and you say, well, they made their own choice. Now they're going to have to live with the consequences. They made their bed. They've got to lie in it. Maybe you look at a colleague and you think, well, he wanted the extra wage. He wanted the promotion. So now if he's crumbling under stress, that's his own fault. Maybe you look at somebody who's in debt and you say they're only in debt because of their own stupid decision. Maybe you look at somebody around your life right now and you say, well, they're never socially distanced. So, um, you know, tough luck for they got COVID and they're in hospital. It's their own fault. And we can be very good sometimes in humanity instead of responding to a need to list all the reasons why that need has happened in the first place. Paul says that's not how we're to live. We're to live with the fruit of the spirit that is kindness. Kindness in our thoughts, in our actions, in our words, generous with our finance. Verse 33 of Luke chapter 10, Jesus carries on. And the priest and Levite in his story have gone on by. And here he says, but a Samaritan, <gasps> a Samaritan. And we know that that would have created a huge shock because you've read this story many times before. You know this yourself, that there was a huge um, social divide between the Samaritans and the Jews. And so Jesus is saying, real God kindness has no boundaries. So a Samaritan, as he travelled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity upon him. Now that's far more than the, the priest and the Levite did, but if it just stopped there, if Jesus said, and that's the end of the story, it still wouldn't be enough. Because the fruit of the Spirit is not pity, the fruit of the Spirit is kindness. People don't need our pity, they need to see God's kindness displayed through 
our lives. And so that's great, but verse 34 is even better. He says, he went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Listen, kindness is going to cost you. It may cost you emotionally, it may cost you financially in terms of your time, in terms of your effort. But it's worth it to display God's kindness. Jesus concludes, he says, which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. Here's our challenge tonight as we gather around the word of God. Our challenge from God's word tonight is that we would go and do likewise. That we would be people who don't just love God in the temple and experience his spirit, but we would be people who through the spirit and being filled with the spirit know what it is to love our neighbours as ourselves. Now how do we go and do likewise? Here's a couple of verses. Matthew chapter 5, uh, sorry, Matthew chapter 25 verse 34. It says, then the king will say to those on his right, enter you who are blessed by my father. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundation. And here's why. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit. I was in prison and you came to see me. Then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will, will say, I'm telling you the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 27, this is a good challenge. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. Okay, so we've looked at an illustration from Jesus. We've looked at what Paul was meaning when he talked about kindness. Let's, as we end this evening, let's, let's quickly look at how we can display kindness, not for our own human effort, but by yielding to the Spirit of God within us. Three quick ways, and there's many more we could talk about how to use our finances to be a blessing, all that kind of stuff, but three quick ways that we can display kindness. When we choose not for our own human efforts to do this, but to yield to the Spirit of God within us. The first one is this, that we're to be kind in our thoughts. We know that our actions and our behaviours uh, derive themselves from our thinking. The Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he. We've got to be kind in our thinking. We've got to think godly thoughts towards others. Even those people that we find it difficult to love. Even those people who maybe we don't agree with, who have a different worldview to us. See, Jesus shows in this parable through the Samaritan's actions that, that he didn't care who it was that was lying on the roadside. He just knew that somebody needed this help. And so he responded with kindness. The theologian Timothy Keller said this, Tolerance and kindness isn't about not having beliefs. It's about how your beliefs lead you to treat people who disagree with you. We are living in a time where this world needs kindness like never 
before. Let's let it begin with us. But we lead the way as God's people to display what kindness truly is. We're to be kind in our thoughts. We're to be kind, number two, with our time. We don't know where this man was going. We don't know where the Samaritan, uh, what he had on his calendar that day. But we know in the story that Jesus told that he wouldn't have got to where he was going on time. His life took a detour because he chose to display the kindness of God to other people. Listen, true kindness will cost you time. That's the reality. It may cost you time. And we live in a day and age where everybody wants to be busy. It's fashionable to say, how are you doing? Hey, I'm really busy. Life's really busy right now. We're busy with work. We're busy with hobbies. We're busy with kids clubs. We're busy with all sorts of different things in our life. And yet, giving time to someone, whether that be a conversation, whether that be helping to serve somebody practically, could change their experience of life right now. For some, as shown in the example Jesus gave in this parable, it could literally save their life to give some of your time to show kindness to others. And here's the thing, far from it being a negative thing, it's a positive thing. That Jesus has said, or God has said in principle, that this thing of sowing and reaping, that we will reap back as we sow into other people. Listen to what Proverbs 11 verse 25 says. Those who live to bless others will have blessings heaped upon them and the one who pours out his life to pour out blessing will be saturated with favour. How many of you want to be saturated with favour? How many of you want to have blessings heaped upon you? Well, the Bible shows us that the way to do that is to pour out our lives, to give of our time to blessing others. And finally, number three, we're to be kind with our words. Proverbs 16 verse 24 says, Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. Let's allow the spirit in us to change and affect the words that come out of us. Now, obviously, when we talk about words nowadays, we're not just talking about words that we speak and communicate. We're, we're talking about words that we type. Words that our thumbs have a power to declare. Words that we, we type away on a keyboard through social media, through email, through all manner of different things. Let's let our words show the kindness of God. Now, here's a challenge to you. What if tonight when you tuned into Sunday Night Local and flicked on the laptop or flicked on the television, I said, hey, instead of me teaching the word tonight, here's what we're going to do for half an hour. We're going to listen to all the words that you've spoken this week, whether you've typed them in a text, whether you've written them in an email, whether you put them on social media, whether you spoke them behind people's back. We're going to play all the words that you've spoken. Now, how would you respond to that? How would you feel about that? I would hope that you would say, well, that's okay, I've got nothing to hide. But it's a good challenge, isn't it? Are our words displaying the kindness of God? The words that we speak are vitally important. James chapter 3, verse 5. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Let everything that you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Paul says the acts of the flesh are selfish ambition, dissensions, envy, quarrels, but the fruit of the Spirit is kindness. I want to encourage you this week. Don't try and sustain kindness in your own strength. Don't just do nice things for other people to, to feel like you're kind. Let God change your heart. 
And as God causes us to be kind, then we will live in a way that displays his kindness. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you have called us to be kind. In a time and an age, in a world that is so broken, so fragmented, so wants to just shout each other down, God, let the church stand up in the midst of that and display your kindness. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would challenge us this week. But as we go to say something, or as we go to, to say oh, we can't give our time to that or we hold our money back because we want it for ourselves or whatever it might be. But as we step away from being kind, Holy Spirit, you would convict us, you would challenge us and we would yield to your life within us. And in such a way that we would powerfully demonstrate your kindness and your goodness. Father God, I thank you that it's your kindness that led us to repentance. Lord, let us now display that kindness in and through our lives on a daily basis. Amen. I hope that that's been a challenge to you. Let's go and change the world this week through our kindness. God bless you. Have a great week. And we'll be back here next Sunday evening, 8pm, uh, for our next edition of Sunday Night Local. Have a great week.